You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki, bringing you the latest on the Winnipeg Jets and the food scene right here in Manitoba. And guess what? The nightmare is finally over. The losing streak is done, thank God. The Jets finally got off the schneid with a dominant performance in Calgary, about as dominant as we could hope for nowadays, at least. We're going to break that one down for you guys to kick things off, including Billy Hainala staking his claim to a spot in the lineup heading into the postseason. I'll also give my thoughts on the story in the NHL right now this week, the Tom Wilson fiasco, and then the ensuing blowout, the brawl at MSG between the Rangers and Capitals. That one's got me all fired up, so we'll get into that. Then we'll wrap the show up chatting with a very popular spot in the city, Irene from the Greek market on Corden stopped by. She helped to give the lowdown on one of my favorite places to shop and visit here in Winnipeg. The tzatziki is to die for. We get into that, so make sure you tune in for that later on in the episode. But let's get to the Jets. You know, and it's funny, it actually flew by me. Lost in the Jets ending their seven-game losing skid is the fact that they clinched a playoff berth. They're in the dance, even though it took a, a little longer than we thought a couple weeks ago. And I'll tell you what, if the Jets can close out the regular season playing like they did in Calgary, maybe they can make things interesting in the North Division after all come playoff time. We'll see, but for me, that was about as good as the club has looked all year. It, it may very well have been the best game they've played in, in a month, maybe even longer than that. But the Jets look like a competent hockey team again, right? It, I mean, it's look, it's baby steps with where their play deteriorated during that losing skid. But that was certainly, certainly a step in the right direction. I mean, outside of the Connor Hellebuck glove save very early on in the game, which, you know, <laughs> looking back on how the game played out may have been a, a bit of an early turning point for the Jets. But outside of that sharp stop, I don't think Calgary registered a high-danger scoring chance for the next 40 minutes. And, you know, once the game kind of got out of reach, you know, we saw the Flames start to flex a little bit. Connor Hellebuck was still sharp and, you know, did a good job in preserving the shutout. But when the game was truly on the line, Winnipeg gave Calgary absolutely zippo. 
So that was, you know, for me, the most promising thing. The offense is is still going to need a little bit of work as we move forward down the stretch run here. But defensively, that was as good of a performance as we've seen from the Jets all season long, bar none. And that was interesting, too, because we saw the biggest shakeup on the on the decor we've seen all season long as well. Finally got a glimpse of what 60 minutes looks like with realistically three new defensive pairings. So let's break it down and talk about how each of those looked in in my eyes at least. Morrissey Pionk was the really intriguing one. I know there was one player everybody was keeping their eye on as Jets fans, but Morrissey Pionk to me was the most intriguing pair of the night just because, you know what, this is the potential, I, I guess you would call it shutdown pairing, right? But it's the, it's the top pair. They're the guys that are going to be getting the the lion's share of the minutes, you know, if this is what the team looks like heading into the postseason. And you guys know I've maintained all along that Josh Morrissey's best form has always come with a guy that takes over the puck-moving responsibilities. And, and that's what Neil Pionk is going to do and did on that pairing in that game against Calgary. I thought they were solid. I, I was impressed. You know, didn't get a, a ton of minutes. Didn't get as many minutes as I would have expected. The two only played about 22, although, you know, the game was out of reach in the third, so Paul Maurice was you know, a little more inclined to basically throw one deep pairing in after the other wasn't chasing a matchup or anything of that sort. But I thought they were pretty damn solid. I think that was an encouraging first game for the two. And I I see no reason why you wouldn't continue with them moving forward. I mean, continue with the entire uh, defensive core looking the way it did in that game against the Flames. But for me... Check the boxes on everything. I, I, you know, I guess obviously the one concern with Morrissey and Pionk on the same pairing is going to be the old, you know, can they hold up physically? Did they get outmatched in terms of size and strength and things like that? I didn't notice it at all. And you know what? Come playoff time, it really isn't going to matter all that much. Like Calgary, and we saw this when they played the Flames in the playoffs last year. You know, the Flames are a much more physical, bruising team, but. The Jets aren't going to be playing Calgary in the playoffs. See you, Flames. They're also not going to be playing the Blues, you know, the Golden Knights, any of these big, heavy, physical teams, the Capitals, right? They're not playing any clubs that employ that kind of style. So I don't even think it's going to be an issue, honestly. You know, Morrissey and Pionk potentially getting outmatched and, you know, run through the boards, anything like that. When you're talking about who they are going to go up against come playoff time, you know, the likely matchup is still Edmonton. You know, the Connor McDavid line, you're not worried about physicality at that point. I actually prefer, you know, going up against players like McDavid, like some of the upper, upper echelon guys. I, I like throwing smaller defensemen at them because, you know, they generally think a little more offensively. You're, you're fighting fire with fire there. Plus, they can keep up with them. To a degree. <laughs> no one's keeping up with McDavid, right? But at least they're going to limit the space that he's able to operate in. So I actually think, you know, Morrissey and Pionk could work out very well against Connor McDavid's line with Edmonton in the likely matchup. But even if they do end up facing the Maple Leafs in round one, you know, Matthews Marner, whether it's Hyman or, or somebody else out there on their wing, we know that Morrissey Pullman can contain that trio, right? So I, I like Neil Pionk up against those guys. I think Morrissey and Pionk are going to play off each other well moving forward here. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. It's not a upper echelon defensive pairing in the NHL. Don't get me wrong. 
But at the very least, it's a major, major upgrade on what the Jets have been throwing out there night after night for the majority of the season. Again, not Tucker Pullman's fault that he was, you know, thrown to the Wolves in a sense. A third-pairing guy, he's going to struggle going up against the Matthews and the McDavid's night after night. But I think at least Morrissey Pionk gives you a fighting chance, right? They might not win that battle for you, but if you can break even, you know, the Jets can potentially take advantage of other matchups up and down the lineup outside of those two. So, you know, all in all, a, a very, very promising first game for Morrissey and Pionk as the team's top pairing. Now, after that, you know, it's interesting because the, the time on ice didn't really tip Paul Maurice's hand one way or the other. Forbort, Pullman, DeMello, Hainala all played roughly 12-ish minutes, five on five. So there wasn't a, a bit of a lean, a bit of a tell from Paul Maurice as to who he's going to go to as his second pairing over the boards. You know, if you're going just by order, Morrissey Pyong started the game, followed by Forbort, Pullman. Maybe that's where Paul Maurice might lean towards. As far as how those two looked, I, I thought they were okay. You know, and they're never going to totally jump off the page, right? I mean, there's not going to be a whole lot of offensive flash and pizzazz from those two. But you're getting the size that you're lacking from the other pairings. So you're just kind of hoping that they can make life a little more miserable and difficult for the opposition. You know, th that's going to be the concern for me moving forward is how Forbert and Pullman can hold up if they're up against, you know, say the John Tavares line in Toronto or Leon Dreisaitl against Edmonton. Will they get overwhelmed? Can they move the puck out of their own end? That remains to be seen, and I think I think it's fair to be concerned about that. But I thought at least against Calgary, the two looked pretty solid. Now let's get to the the main event for a lot of you. Vili Hainala, I, I guess surprisingly re-entered the lineup. It, it just seemed like he wasn't going to get a chance to get back in. But maybe Logan Stanley's late game gaffe against the Senators opened the door for Paul Maurice to give the you know the little Finn a bit of a chance to shine. And did he did he take full advantage of that? In my opinion, he did. I didn't think Vili Hainala, you know, played his best game. I, I didn't think he was exceptional or anything like that. But he did what he was brought here to do. And that's get the puck the hell out of the defensive zone, right? You don't want to see the kid play inside his own end too much. And there were a couple of really, really sharp plays that he made with the puck. So again, you know, outside of Neil Pionk, to me, he's the best puck mover in the organization. And I thought he looked pretty, pretty solid beside... Dylan DeMello, who's had his fair share of uh, working with rookies so far this season. So, you know, I, I was impressed by Vili Hainala. The one thing, too, you know, I made sure to keep an eye on him each time he stepped out onto the ice. I wanted to see defensively how he was going to hold up. And Paul Maurice mentioned this, too, why he, you know, wanted, why there was intrigue into putting him in there against the Flames because of that heavy style they play. And I wondered if he would get bullied around a little bit, how he would handle the physical aspect of play inside his own end. And I was impressed. You know, there were a couple times, too, where Villy did a really, really solid job of boxing guys out in front of Connor Hellebuck, making sure that there wasn't a screen and that there was a clear uh, line of sight for Hellebuck to play the puck a couple of times. And he was frisky. He was a little physical, too. Right? He's never going to hit anybody on their ass. But, you know, I, I thought Villy I thought Hainala did a lot of the right things. And to me, there's no reason why you would take him out of the lineup heading into this uh, weekend game against the Ottawa Senators. I think this is the way to go here moving forward. What the Jets have, what they threw out there against Calgary. 
And hey, I, you know that I will be 100% on board seeing Hanela DeMello become this team's second pairing. But at the very least, it deserves a second look, right? There, there's no reason why you would go away from it. And I imagine Paul Maurice just keeps things as it is heading into this matchup against the Senators because let's remember, you know, third place is still up for grabs. I know a lot of Jets fans don't want it, <laughs> but Winnipeg obviously wants to finish ahead of Montreal and grab that third spot. I think what they threw out there on the blue line against Calgary is, is probably their best bet at finding a way to make that happen. Some other notes from the game I want to get to quick. Adam Lowry is now a sniper, apparently, and a dangler. Those were some those were some slick moves from the big guy. You know what? He was, to me, maybe the most impactful player in that loss against Ottawa. So it was it was great to see him get rewarded there. This team just plays and operates differently when Adam Lowry's in the lineup. And when he's playing like he has the past couple of games, and realistically all season long as well. So look, when the big guy is feeling confident enough to go backhand five-hole on a breakaway and, you know, basically giving the cold shoulder to Andrew Cobb to avoid the 2 on oh, no, don't worry, I got this kid. That that was great to see. I, I love seeing a confident Adam Lowry, and it's certainly going to help the Jets. They've been looking for some secondary scoring, maybe even tertiary scoring all season long. By the way, tertiary is one of the top five words in the English language. Plus, it makes it sound like you graduated from college. I was a college dropout, so maybe that's why I lean towards that one. It's a beauty word. Either way, let's move forward here. A couple things I want to get to quickly before we talk with Irene Adamopoulos, the owner, one of the owners at least, along with her husband, of the Greek market on Corridon. The forward lines to me, it looks like maybe the decor could be set heading into the postseason. Still some work to be done up front, I believe. You know, Blake Wheeler had a couple goals last night. To me, Shifley Connor Wheeler still isn't working. I know that, you know, if Nick Ehlers is good to go come playoff time, the lineup's going to basically get a complete facelift and a redo. But I, I just hope that involves those three being broken up. I don't think they've been bad since they've been put together, but certainly hasn't been the impact that Paul Maurice has looked for so far. And again, still trying to find the, the perfect fit for Pierre-Luc Dubois. I mean, and Paul Stasny right now, he's been moved all over the lineup. It sure would be nice to get him some consistent line mates. I think heading into game one of the postseason, if Ehlers is good to go, my ideal lineup, I think you have to split up Shifley and Ehlers at this point. As much as I want Nick Ehlers to play 20 minutes a night, I do worry that if you put those two on a line together, you know, you're not going to be able to get an impact from the second line. It's just been a struggle to get that, unless Nick Ehlers has been on that. So I might go Shifley Dubois on the wing, actually, and Kyle Connor, And then a second line of Ehlers, Stasny, and Wheeler. And then you have the bottom six, as it's been basically all season long. I wouldn't mind giving that a look heading into the first game of the postseason. I just think that your best chance for you know production up and down the lineup has Shifley and Ehlers. As much as I want to see Nicky play 20, 20-plus minutes a night, that's probably the, the best path for success for Winnipeg when it comes to their forward lines. But still some time to go. Not a whole lot though, right? We're talking about maybe like two weeks away from the postseason getting underway, which is just madness. So not a lot of time there. Not a lot of time in the episode as well, but we'll definitely get to the Tom Wilson incident right away here. But first, like we mentioned, not a lot of time left in the NHL's regular season. Also not a lot of time left in the NBA regular season. So... If you want to get in on the action with DraftKings, do it now. 
the leader in one-day fantasy sports. A free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes is on the line if you claim your free shot with DraftKings, signing up using code THPN. So whether you want to play daily fantasy basketball, maybe some baseball if you miss out on season-long fantasy, hockey as well, all of that is available for you. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and check out how your team stacks up against the competition and win yourself some cash immediately. Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. I'll tell you what, if you picked anybody from Rangers Capitals and DraftKings this past week, you probably enjoyed yourself a nice little payday because the PIMS alone probably earned you a first place finish. So let's get to it here. Tom Wilson, no penalty. Realistically, a $5,000 fine is a joke. It's, you know, $10 for you and me. So should Tom Wilson have been suspended for that? The easy answer is yes. Of course he should have. You know, for me, he should have been suspended, you know, probably just one game, but should have been suspended for what he did to Buchnevich on the ground there. The Panarin thing is the biggest joke of it all. The fact that there was no discipline for that whatsoever, I just, I don't get it. I do not get the NHL's thinking on this. And this is what really pisses me off the most. The NHL, historically, and especially right now, does a horse crap job of protecting their star players. And I get hockey is the ultimate team sport. But look, when I watch a Rangers game, I want to see our Temi Panarin play. I want to see Adam Fox play. When I watch Edmonton, I want to see Connor McDavid, right? I don't want to see those guys thrown to the ice by their hair without their helmets on and lost for the rest of the season while the buffoon Tom Wilson is flexing and posing in the penalty box, acting like a clown, and knocking out one of the most dynamic and electric players in the entire NHL. It's ridiculous. And the NHL has always gone out of their way to protect the Tom Wilsons of the world more so than the actual star players of their league. It's completely back-ass words. No other sports league on the planet does that. If that was Patrick Mahomes, if that was LeBron James, whoever threw either one of those guys on the ground is is probably getting a double-digit suspension, no questions asked. But because it's the NHL, let's be honest, they love that. They they loved every bit of that or else they would have suspended him or disciplined him even. And it's a shame because Tom Wilson has proven time and time again that he has absolutely no respect whatsoever for the other players on the ice. And the fact that the NHL didn't discipline Tom Wilson for either of those incidents there, to me, just emboldens him even more. And this is going to continue until, unfortunately, the fact is he's going to hurt somebody again. And then we're going to have this discussion all over again. So just a a complete disappointment and, and really a disgrace by the NHL not levying down anything, anything at all to Tom Wilson for injuring one of the game's brightest stars. And then you get the further clown show of the game after that, which we all saw coming a mile away. Maybe not a a line brawl off the opening faceoff. But we knew that was going to be a fight-filled game, and it's exactly what happened. And I'll tell you what, the NHL was thrilled for that. They loved it. I I guarantee they loved it. 
Which is a shame because I thought it was an absolute embarrassment. I look. I don't want to get into a should fighting be allowed in hockey debate. Everybody's got their spots and their sides, and you know, I don't, I don't know if anyone's going to change at this point. But I thought the whole thing was bush league. It it just that that's not what I want to watch when I watch hockey. If if you do, that's cool. That ain't it for me though. And on top of it, you know, it's funny because it it's not going to prevent Tom Wilson from taking liberties with your star players moving forward. That's not a deterrent whatsoever. Even Brandon Smith stepping up and fighting Tom Wilson. I, I get doing that. Like, you have to almost do something at that point. I, I understand. I, I get how all this works. Don't get me wrong. But Tom Wilson is going to keep being Tom Wilson. The only thing that prevents him, or at least coerces him into changing, is a lengthy suspension. And the NHL drops the ball on that time and time again. You know... When you take away the instigator in the NHL, right? When you try to remove the enforcers from teams, the only way you protect the stars at that point is by handing out lengthy suspensions, by, you know, setting a precedent that would deter people from committing those behaviors again, right? And then the NHL doesn't do that. They've just failed. They've failed their brightest stars time and time again. So if, look, if you're not going to give out suspensions for acts like that, then get rid of the instigator rule and have guys protect the star players on the ice. You can't have it both ways, NHL. And you know what? They were close to change, too. When Brendan Shanahan became the head of player safety for that very, very brief time a few years ago, remember, he levied, I believe it was an eight-game suspension to James Wisniewski for a headshot in a preseason game. The NHL said, you know what? We're cracking down on headshots. We're cracking down on any sort of predatory hit, things like that. We want to protect our players out there on the ice. And Brendan Shanahan said, fine by me. Threw down an eight-game suspension to James Wazowski and said, this is the precedent moving forward. What happened? The NHL GMs freaked out. They hated it. They hated it. And it was changed basically immediately. The second Brendan Shanahan left office and moved out there to Toronto... They threw a different figurehead in, and it was same old, same old all over again. So the NHL just, the player safety thing they try to throw out there to me is complete lip service. It's just an unfortunate example again. I don't know who to credit for coming up with this, but the NHL proves this person right time and time again. Best sport, worst league. And it sure as hell would have been nice for the NHL to step up and say, Enough of the Tom Wilsons of the world. Let's find a way to protect and also promote the Artemi Panarins and the stars that, that really do run the league and make it as fun and, and as entertaining to watch as it is right now. Because in my opinion, hockey has never been played at this high a level. We don't need the crap that we saw in New York this past week. Anyways, let's move off of a negative topic and... Get back to a more positive one, okay? It's the end of the week, it's Friday, and that means another food episode coming your way, and you guys are going to love this one. It's, like I said earlier, one of my favorite spots in the city to go visit. The Greek market on Corden has been a staple in River Heights for a couple of decades now. If you love Mediterranean food, it's the perfect one-stop shop. I'm very, very honored now to bring on the owner of the Greek market, Irene Adamopoulos to the show right now. Irene, it's a pleasure to have you. How are you doing today? Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. 
the pleasure's all mine. I, I was talking to you right before we got started. You know, my mom's been on me for a while to uh, get your place on the podcast because it's one of her favorite stops in the entire city. I think she actually makes up excuses to come see me so she can actually pick up a bunch of stuff from your place. Well, God bless her. And I think your baby has a little bit to do with that as well. It's a Yeah, it's definitely a package deal. But with how much tzatziki she gets, it's up in the air right now, which one she likes more right now. Just tell us first, uh, how, how did the Greek market get started? I, I think you said 17 years now? Well, I've had it for 17. Okay. Yes. Yeah, for 17 years. Um, it was owned by someone else before me, two people, um, a guy uh, about 23 years ago. Um, and he's passed on now. And then uh, Katie Larita owned it for, I think, four and a half years. And then I purchased it. Um it kind of just fell in my lap. My history was a little bit different than Greek market. I used to work for a high-end ladies clothing store for for 27 years. That was my life. And I worked for Porcelain International for 10 years, a big part of it, and did all their store openings across Canada and helped with fashion shows and ran the store. Um, the last owner's daughter approached me to purchase a wardrobe because she just had a career, um, finished her university and was an actuary and needed a wardrobe and came to see me, sold her a bunch of stuff and asked me about the Greek market. So I, I asked her, sorry, about the Greek market and how her mom was doing. And she said, well, she wants to sell it. And I said, well, tell her I want to buy it. I don't even know where that came from. That day she came to my house and she said, well, you know what? People were telling me that you're the only person that could actually pull this off. I'm serious. I want to talk to you. And we went from there. The rest is history. We've had it for 17 years. Um, I grew up in from a very young age, uh, eight years old, working in my dad's restaurant. So I did have a little bit of that background. And it's retail. I love retail. I love people. I love community. And that's what the Greek market is. The Greek market is a wonderful community that supports us. During the pandemic, it's been challenging, of course, but we cannot complain. We have a steady clientele. They've, they've made a point to support us even more. Even when they couldn't come into the store, we were, we were doing curbside pickup, had lineups down the street. Uh, we honestly feel blessed. And um, we thank the community for their support. Oh, and hey, the community thanks you for everything <laughs> you've done over the past 17 years. It's a wild background story going from the <laughs> yes. fashion industry to owning your own market. You mentioned, you know, being in the restaurant business with your father. Did you have any, you know, professional cooking experience or anything like eight. that? I was eight back then. <laughs> no professional cooking yeah. experience. But don't forget, I grew up in a Greek family. We cook. We never ordered in. We cook our meals daily. I've always loved cooking. I've always loved nutrition. I also was a marathon runner, so it, it's a big part of my life. And the Mediterranean diet is a healthy diet. So for me, it was just an interesting career move. I've always wanted to own my own business. I never knew what it looked like. I definitely didn't want to own a clothing store because at the end of the month, we had so many returns. Your books are a mess. Food is different. Food is, it goes out, it generally doesn't come back, <laughs> uh, which is a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, it's dealing with people. It's 
I love to merchandise. You can merchandise your store any way you want. It's about food, but it's also about people. Those two go together. Are these all family recipes then from back home uh, in Greece? Well, some of them, a lot of them are. A lot of them are just me tweaking things to make them more current for our diets now. And also the biggest part of it is listening to our customers. Our customers were coming and say, you know what, I'm going to Hawaii. I have an elderly parent at home. Could you make uh, your meat lasagna in a smaller portion? Well, the first person asked, the second person asked, the third person. <laughs> I bought a freezer and started making small ones and we labeled the freezer. We make it, you bake it. That was the customer. That is a big part of being an owner. You have to listen to the market, to your customers, to the, the sign of the times. They change. And this last two years, has it changed? That might be the first time too I've ever heard somebody say, could you make me a smaller lasagna? That's a first for me. I, <laughs> well, I get it. <laughs> the reason they said that is because the person at home was elderly. They still wanted to cook and make their kitchen smell good, but doesn't have the energy to start from scratch like we do and make each meal from scratch. They can just take it home, read the instructions, put it in the oven and enjoy a meal. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned the smell there because when you walk into the Greek market, <laughs> you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to spend a little bit of time in Greece and it's like an instant transportation back across the ocean over there to Greece. And you actually get a number of your ingredients shipped straight from Greece, correct? Absolutely. Yes. Um, that is a big part of it. We are the only place in Winnipeg that has the original Greek feta that comes in the barrel. There's only three in all of Canada. One is in Vancouver, one is in Toronto, and the little Greek market carries the original Greek feta. There's nothing like it. It's delicious. Um, it's a better quality product. And yes, most of our oregano, oils, all of those grocery items come from Greece. Let's get right into the food you're serving. I mean, you guys are serving everything, starters, soups, dips, mains, desserts, all, all over the place. <laughs> but I want to get to, you know, it's probably in my top five, maybe top three favorite condiments of all time. And I'm a huge, you know, condiment sauce person. But your tzatziki is just, it's out of this world. I, I'm still struggling to master it myself when I make it. Can you maybe just outline some of the steps that, that you take to make an outstanding tzatziki sauce? Well, the first thing is we make every batch ourselves. Everything in the store actually is made in-house, which is a big important factor. We make it in small batches so you don't lose the integrity of the recipe. That is important. At home, you would do that as well. you got to have a good um, cucumber. Uh, it's about getting that moisture out of the cucumber, which takes a lot of squeezing, um, a good yogurt, your ingredients have to be good and fresh, and that's basically it. That's just one of the great items you serve. I mean, the spanakopita is one of my favorites as well. I always make sure to grab some when I head down there. What are some of the other fan favorites, the best sellers that you guys are, you know, well, always trying to make sure you have in stock? Well, I get asked this question all the time, and I always say everything we have because <laughs> every day we sell everything we have, which is phenomenal. Um, every day we do inventory at the end of the day so we can start the next day. And there's a list two pages long every day. <laughs> um, the chicken we get fresh every day. Chicken souvlaki is a big part of our um, menu. 
we get it fresh every day and make it that way every day. Our lemon potatoes are also quite popular. Um, and those are also made, everything's made every day, basically. So it's like you go, you buy a potato, you wash it, you cut it, you use it. Basically, that's our success. We have good ingredients and it's fresh every day because we have amazing customers that choose, they can choose to go anywhere else they want, but they make a conscious effort to come to the Greek market. And every day, I'm very thankful for that. And I count my blessings every day because of that. Because without our customers, we couldn't employ our 11 employees and have work. That's an amazing thing. One of my favorite Greek items, actually, I don't know if a lot of people either know it's Greek or know what it is exactly. You guys have both a, a meat and a vegetarian option for it. But can you tell our listeners about, I believe it's pronounced moussaka, moussaka? Yes, I, lo I love it. And I, think, I, I just want to tell more people about it. Well, it's definitely a Greek item, Mediterranean. It, um, it is a comfort food. So Greeks love eggplant. Greeks love potatoes. So the meat one is made with meat. Here in Winnipeg, we make it with ground beef because it is um, easily available and everybody loves ground beef. Some people don't eat pork. Some people don't eat lamb but the ground beef they eat. So that's why we chose to do it that way. In Greece, they mix the meats. We make it with a potato bottom, with ground beef, with eggplant, with ground beef, beef, more eggplant and a bechamel sauce. So it is a comfort food. It's very filling and it's very delicious. We also have, of course, the vegetarian option, which is made with potatoes, eggplant, zucchini, tomatoes, feta, onions, and the bechamel. It's also very delicious. We can't forget about our, our um, vegetarian, also vegan customers. Uh, we have added a lot of that to our menu because we do have, people are asking us, can you make any more vegan things? We have so many vegan items in our store. I think we have 300 and something items in total. And naturally the Mediterranean diet is vegetarian. So it was very easy for us to quickly add those items. Now, I'm not a big sweets guy. My one big weakness is cheesecake. And I've always loved baklava. I've never seen the two combined before. And you do it, I think, in the filo dough as well. Could you talk about the process of, of making the baklava cheesecake, where that idea came from? Well, actually, the baklava is definitely Mediterranean and Middle East and Greek. And we all do it in our own version. But uh, personally, I love cheesecake and I love baklava. So it just seemed like a perfect thing to put together. The baklava we make is not made with pistachios. It's made with walnuts and almonds. So a little bit different than the Middle Easter version, which is the uh, pistachios. They're both delicious. You mentioned how much you love the relationship with your store and the community. How has it been for you guys over the last, I, I guess it's been over a year now. I know you've you've pivoted to, like everyone has, to, to try and adapt with the changing times. But you guys have been doing okay over the last 12 months? Yes, because of the support we have um, from the community. Also, uh, I have personally never been a person to fit into a box. I always think outside of the box. <laughs> and if you don't do that in 20 and 21, you're not going to survive. You have to quickly take a minute, take in everything and 
execute. So the first three weeks, we didn't even know what we were faced with. We closed the store. Uh, we felt that our customers were uneasy. We felt our staff was uneasy. So we just closed to learn, to learn about this epidemic, to learn how to properly, because we're a grocery store, we're allowed to stay open all the time. But for me, it wasn't safe because I didn't know how to do that. So we had to learn and we learned quick. We put up um, some very good barriers, uh, glass ones, permanent. We, we did the social distancing. We put our measures in place for cleaning and uh, we opened up. We brought all our staff back right away and it's been amazing since. You touched on this earlier and, and this is something that a lot of either restaurants or stores are transitioning towards, um, but we make it, you bake it. Can you touch on some of the items you offer for that and just how customers can grab that from your store when they head down there? Absolutely. We have a freezer. It's called We Make It, You Bake It. It has our lasagna meat and spinach lasagna, which is a vegetarian. We have the meat moussaka, the veggie moussaka, and the pasticcio. The pasticcio is like a pasta kind of Greek style with big noodles and ground beef and bechamel. It's got nutmeg in it. It's just a beautiful, um, also comfort food. We have that in a small portion. And we have our spanakopita in a few different varieties. We have spanakopitakia, which are beautiful cocktail size, handmade um, spinach, span spinach phyllo wraps. And then those are sold by the dozen. We also have them in a smaller pan, which you can take it and bake it at home. We also have that in, in our frozen. We also make beautiful soups. We make a beautiful turkey wild rice soup, a traditional lentil soup, and a white bean soup um, that we keep. We make it and we freeze it right away. Because we have a small store and we don't have the fridge space, this is also a calculated move, by the way. Many times we could have expanded to the right, to the left, bought a building. We just made the choice to stay where we are because people are familiar with everything. They know where everything is because it never changes. And you touched on it earlier about the smells. You walk in and it's intoxicating because we make everything there. And the bigger you get, you lose that. So we decided to stay small. And if you're looking for a business idea, I don't know if you can bottle that up and sell it as cologne or perfume. <laughs> but. Good. I'm just I'm throwing it out there. If you're, if you're looking to expand a little bit, get into the, uh, the the perfume business. Thanks so much for joining me today, Irene. I really appreciate it. I know you're super busy, so we'll get you out of here right away. Uh, but before we have our guests leave, we ask everybody this question. I'm fascinated to know what your answer is going to be. Uh -oh. But with the, the Jets playoffs coming up and a Jets game day tonight, actually, if I was to stop by the Greek market later on, what would you recommend? to be the perfect game day meal? What what should I grab from the Greek market before I sit down and watch a Jets game later on? Well, that's very easy. We actually feed a lot of the Jets, but um, I would say chicken souvlaki, lemon potatoes, Greek salad, pita, and of course, tzatziki. You could also make that at home into a gyro by adding tomatoes and onions. Perfect meal. I got to rewind a little bit here. Who are some of the Jets that are stopping by and, and picking up some goods? Well, we've we've delivered to their birthday parties. Ah, I kids see. Kids and that sort of thing. 
Okay. I, I, I see you're not naming any names. That's, oh, that's yeah. all right. <laughs> I understand the privacy. I, I totally get it. But hey, that's great to see. That, and that we must be awesome. Them, and we love their energy. We watch, I have a big uh, hockey family here. We all watch the games all the time. And we wish them the best tonight. They got a rebound. Yeah. <laughs> what what have you seen during the losing streak, Irene? You think they're gonna do you think they're gonna get out of this slump? Well, I think they're hungry. They need to, you know, get on uh just get that energy going right off the bat. They're a great team. I'll I'll tell you what, they could use I don't know if there's time to ship it out to Calgary, but maybe a a big a big <laughs> old moussaka, a little lasagna and, and some spanakopita in between periods and and that's probably the elixir to what's ailing them right now. They need a pastizio, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> awesome hey again thank you so much irene uh we should mention too um you know want to give some credit as well your husband john french absolutely i mean he's he's helping you out in in the day-to-day -day and everything so we want to give him some love and some shout out because i'll do it without him exactly exactly so shout Actually, out john also my girls they've been outstanding totally it's a team effort it's yeah, it has to be, or else it doesn't and get off we the have ground. Amazing co-workers that are absolutely outstanding. Some of them have been with us for 17 years. Wow. That's <laughs> I mean, that's so great to hear. Before we let you go, I'll just give you the floor right now. Let our listeners know uh where and how they can stop by the Greek market and uh anything else you guys are putting out there right now. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Brandon. And Greek Market, 1440 Corden Avenue, Winnipeg, Manitoba, 204-488-6161, um, greekmarket.ca. Thank you for all your support, Winnipeg. You can just hear how much the support of the community means to Irene and everybody down there at the Greek Market. Just so awesome to hear and super glad that everything's been going about as well as it can right now in these super tough times. So a big thanks to Irene Adamopoulos and the crew down there at the Greek market to stop by and, and chat about their place. If you haven't been, make sure you head down there as soon as you can. Try to get there early too because everything will be sold out if you get there a little bit too late. I was able to stop by there uh, before the taping of this show actually. Picked up a couple goodies. The tzatziki, look, if you're a tzatziki freak like I am, you will not be disappointed. It is the elite of the elite. I actually probably should have got a barrel of it instead of a, a couple hundred grams, but check that out. The Spanakopita is outstanding. Uh, the Moussaka is great as well. A, a ton of items out there. You could actually check out my Twitter page at Brandon underscore Rewiki. Sent out a pic of, of some of the goodies that I was able to pick up. So make sure you head down to court and sometime soon and you know, shop local, help support local. It means the world to all those great people. That wraps up another episode here on the Hockey Podcast Network with Skates and Plates. Thank you guys so much for listening. Again, make sure to subscribe and review. Leave a good review on top of that. It basically makes sure the podcast stays up and running so I can get all the great jets and food talk out there for you guys. So that's a big help. But we're back on Tuesday. A couple of Jets games to get into. We're going to see what the team is looking like heading into the stretch run. So that'll be a super exciting episode. We'll try to bring on a new guest as well. And then we've got another food interview coming up for you guys. Two Hands Winnipeg had a bit of a scheduling conflict for this week. But we're going to make sure that we get them on for next week as well. So you're going to want to tune in and hear about that. In the meantime, though, thanks again for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. 
I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Peace.